Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. In describing the power of God's Word, Martin Luther said that the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs to me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. What Hebrews chapter 4 says and what Martin Luther noted is so true. All of God's Word is alive and it is active. Yet there are some verses in the Bible that speak louder and more clearly than others. There's times and there are verses that it seems the Bible runs to us more quickly and urgently and takes its hands and hugs us and holds us tighter. In this sermon, we are looking at 11 verses that do just that. As I read this section of scripture to you, I want you to sit back and listen as the word of God speaks to you, runs to you, and lays hold of you. And when it does, I want you to ask yourself, Why did God give us this portion of his word? We're in the fourth week of our sermon series entitled Joy, in which we're studying the biblical book of Philippians. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, If any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the Word of God. So, you heard it. Why did God give us this portion of His Word? What is the powerful message that God wants to speak to you and me? And what is the Word that God wants to run to us and lay hold of us? Well, part of the power of this section of Scripture is that its main message is simple and it's clear. Be humble. Live with humble hearts. Yet while the point is simple, well, being humble, that's not so simple. 
living in such a way that we do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but really, truly, in humility, value others above ourselves? It's not so easy, is it? Often, we think of humility as a necessary virtue, but not necessarily pleasant. Oh, sure, we know we need humility, and we know it's good to be humble, but we don't really want to act humble because, well, who wants to seem meek or weak? Humility is kind of like going to the dentist. You know you should. Rationally, you know it's good for you. But most people can think of 100 reasons to put it off. So why? Why be humble? The main message in Philippians 2, 1 through 11, is that God wants us to be humble. But why? Why should you and I try to be humble? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the purpose, the motive for being humble? I want to look at two reasons, two reasons why not to be humble. That is, I want to examine two reasons typically given for being humble that misunderstand the nature of humility. As we look at these two reasons to not be humble, you and I will understand the nature of biblical humility better, but we'll also examine our hearts and expose the motives for why we've attempted to be humble. But finally, I want to look at one reason. One reason why God gives us to be humble, and ultimately, I want to focus on how there is just one reason why you and I will ever be humble and even are able to be humble. So, you ready? Here's the first reason. The first reason why not to be humble. People often say, I'm humble because I want to be a good person generally understood that humility is a virtue. It's a good thing. Go to any bookstore, peek around any of the popular blogs, and what you'll find from business to sports is that everyone agrees. It's better to be a humble person than a prideful person. So naturally, people want to go and be humble to be better, right? People want to be humble in order to possess a mindset that recognizes shortcomings. Why? So that they can better embrace self-correction. People recognize humility is vital to learning. Why? So that they can easily self-improve. We dress it up. We call it being virtuous or maybe just not being obnoxious. But either way, very often we see humility as something that we can use to get ahead, to make life a little easier and make ourselves a little better. We do this in the church world, too. We Christianize this reason for being humble. Instead of saying, I'm humble because I want to be a good person, well, Christian people will say, I'm humble because then God will bless me. Think about it. Sadly, what happens is that Christians take verses, verses like the one we just read, and they butcher it. We read about Jesus being humble, humbling himself, and then God exalting him to the highest place and giving him the name that is above every name. What do Christians think? Hey, I'm going to follow in Jesus' footsteps so that God can exalt me too. But we forget about one very important thing. You are not Jesus. And what's more, we forget that not even Jesus possessed a mindset that sought exaltation. 
He totally embraced humiliation, and he didn't consider himself in any way. You're starting to see what the problem is, aren't you? You see what is at the core of this wrong reason for wanting to be humble. It's self. Being humble because you want to be great or good or a person that God blesses is a self-centered understanding of humility. It's wrong. It's the complete opposite of humility. Philippians 2 clearly characterizes biblical gospel humility as a virtue that is completely void of self. God's word runs to you and it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, offers a definition of biblical humility that you and I would be wise to build our definition of humility off of. For starters, let's understand humility as this. Humility is thinking of yourself less. It's a sham to take biblical understandings of humility, which are completely void of self, and then make humility all about ourselves simply by dressing up in convincing language of self-betterment or churchy words that says, God exalts humble people, therefore thou shalt be humble. Those of us who wrongly believe that the reason for being humble is so that God will bless us or at least I'll be a better person, this is in fact fake humility. It's faking it in an attempt to manipulate God to just give us what we want. That's called selfishness. That's called arrogance. It's called sin. Being humble because or so that God will bless us or so that I will be a better person. That can't be the reason for being humble. The second reason to not be humble is actually closely related to the first, although they seem a little different on the onset. While some say, I want to be humble so that God blesses me, or I want to be humble to be a good person, others say, I'm humble because I am a bad person. Sure, perhaps those words won't ever be expressed that strongly, but likely many people have this mistaken understanding for why they ought to be humble. Many people in our own families, in our own neighborhoods, and in our own church are walking around right now with a sense of shame, inferiority, and a lack of self-worth, which is wrongly equated to being humble. Why be humble, they say? I will be humble because I'm worthless. So the thinking goes for many. But don't you see, a person who says they are a nobody is actually a self-obsessed person. It's really the other side of the same coin of the self-obsessed person who makes humility the means to self-betterment. Self-deprecation or self-elevation, it's all the same. It's selfishness. Our problem, our sickness, is not that we think too little of ourselves. It's not even that we think too highly of ourselves, though that's closer to the problem. Our problem is that we spend way too much time thinking of ourselves, period. The essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or less of myself. 
It's thinking of myself less. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of the others. This is the biblical definition of humility. Humility is not thinking of yourself less. It's thinking of yourself less. Biblical humility is not needing to think about myself all the time. True humility is not needing to connect everything and everyone to myself or my thoughts. It's an end to such thoughts as, oh, I'm in the room with these people. How, how does that make me look? It's end to thinking, oh, what does everyone think about me? Or what do people think about what I posted? Gospel humility is an end to all that. It puts a stop to me connecting every experience, every conversation to myself. In fact, I stop thinking about myself altogether. But that still doesn't answer our question, why? Why be humble? Can recovering egomaniacs, and by the way, that's all of us, can we ever actually be humble? Well, the best thing about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it always directs you to something, rather someone, outside of yourself. Instead of directing you to something in yourself for assurance that we need and that we crave, whether in moments of dependence or desperation, well, in moments of uncertainty as to why we ought to be humble or if we ever can be humble, in moments of guilt and shame, realizing that our hearts have rarely, if ever, been truly humble, here is the one reason why you will be humble and why you or I could ever be humble. It's Jesus Christ. It's Christ Jesus who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Sinclair Ferguson writes in his book, The Christian Life, that true faith takes its character and quality from its object and not from itself. Faith gets a person out of himself and into Christ. And it's with a Christian faith, and so it is with every aspect of the Christian's life of faith, including Christian humility. Gospel humility finds its source in Christ, not from ourselves. Gospel humility gets a person out of him or herself and into Christ. It is humility that comes not merely from the example of Christ, but it comes from who Christ is, and it comes from his completed objective work for you. That Jesus Christ, who was and is in every way God and shares the glory of God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Nor did he consider glory something to be exhibited or displayed for his personal self-advancement. Instead, though he was equal to God, Christ Jesus understood that humility meant selflessness. It meant selfless giving, not getting. And therefore, he took the path that led to humiliation, to incarnation and crucifixion. And he did it for you. He did it so that you and I might see him and see him in all his glory. Christ Jesus, 
who in every way holds all the power and fills the universe, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. That is, he completely stripped himself of the rightful claim to all power. He that is the high and lofty one who inhibits eternity, whose name is holy, clothed himself in the garb of a servant. And he didn't just wash his disciples' feet, but as a lamb not making a peep, he let his feet be nailed to a cross for the forgiveness of your sins and mine. This is the extent of his humiliation. Christ humbled himself. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, my friends, don't misunderstand that statement. This is not saying that Christ became obedient to death, that death became his master. No, far from it. Rather, Christ obeyed the will of his Father to the utmost extent, to the point of death on a cross. Christ suffered a punishment reserved for the worst of the worst. The Son of Man humbled himself and became a human being in order to die a shameful death. All why? So you and I wouldn't have to. So you and I, even though we deserve to, would not. But instead, we would be glad and rejoice with all our hearts that the Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. That means death cannot touch you. That means Satan cannot harm you. That means sin cannot control you. That means worry can't crush you. Hardship cannot devastate you. This, this is what Christ's humility means for you. Jesus Christ is the one and only reason why you and I can ever be humble. Why be humble? I'm humble because Jesus Christ humbled himself for me and he fills himself up. He fills myself up with himself. You see, Jesus is not a mere example of humility, although he is that. He is the means of our salvation. His humility is. His humility is something that we have since we are conformed to his likeness through the word that we hear, the word that humbles you and me by the immensity of his love on the cross, the word that humbles you and me truly all the more when the strain of trying to follow in Christ's example becomes too great and we fail to live humbly. But we see that all along, it is God who works in us to will and to act according to his good purposes. It's not just me living to follow his example, but it is Christ in every way in me, filling me up with himself. True gospel humility means your ego is not puffed up, but you are filled up. You're filled up by Christ and with Christ. We're not talking about high self-esteem. We're not talking about low self-esteem. It's not about Christ. It's about Christ's esteem. It's not about self-esteem at all. That means we can lose ourselves. We can lose ourselves at the cross of Christ, who, though he was despised and held in low esteem, it's us he prized and now holds in highest esteem. That's why we can't worry about ourselves. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, poses an interesting hypothetical. He says, imagine if you were to meet someone who is truly gospel humble. Lewis says, well, we never really come away from meeting such a person thinking, wow, what an amazingly humble person. No, we wouldn't be impressed by their meekness or weakness and them groveling, always telling us how they're a nobody, because that's not a humble person. Nor would we walk away 
impressed by them, uh, being puffed up in humility or high on themselves. That's not humility. Lewis says that if we ever truly met a truly humble person, all we would think about them is that they were filled with joy and they seemed totally interested in us. If we ever did dislike them, it would only be because we're envious of anyone who seems to so easily possess so much joy in life. And how could that be? Well, it would be because they would not be thinking of themselves. They wouldn't be thinking of their humility. No, their only thoughts would be filled with thoughts of Christ. The joy that comes from being filled by Him. The joy that comes from knowing Him and going with Him and letting our joy pour out to others the way it poured out from Christ. From Christ to us, from us to others. So why be humble? Now, we've talked about the motive for being humble. I will be humble because Christ was humbled for me. But what's the purpose of all this? Why be humble? Why is it that God gave us a command to be humble? Well, at the beginning of this sermon, I asked you, why did God give us this portion of his word? Well, this portion of God's word tells us. Sandwiched between this poetic prose that exposes the joy and grace we have in the face of Christ's humility, and right in between that in an introduction imploring us that if we have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, well, there we find the reason for why Christ calls us to be humble, humble like Him. The purpose of Him and us having the same mindset as Christ, well, it's to be like-minded among one another. Paul writes, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. The reason to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus in our relationships with one another is to be like-minded among one another. And it's to experience more and more of Christ, His joy. It's to see more and more of His love. It's to rejoice more and more in His Spirit. What Paul is praying about here, and what really you and I are praying about for our church, is but an echo of what Christ Jesus said in moments before His arrest. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus prayed to His Father, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Look, you and I cannot worry about how the world loves. We cannot worry about how the world defines love. All we can control is how we love one another. This was Christ's command and his prayer. He said that it is when we love one another like Christ, when we have the same mindset of Christ, when we display the same self-forgetfulness, the same humility that Christ showed us, and we show it to one another. Well, what happens then? 
then the world will know Christ. Then the world will know His love. Then the world will know His joy. Many of you know that last Sunday, we had the opportunity to pray for God's blessings and peace with the Zarling family as they moved away from Fredericksburg. The Zarlings were one of 10 families that helped start this church here. And so before they left, I asked John, I said, John, as a founding family of this congregation, if you could give one piece of encouragement to everyone here, what would it be? As soon as I asked the question, John, without hesitation, made it clear that he had an answer. He had an answer to what I was asking him. He had something to say. So immediately, I got out my mental notebook and I got ready to to record it, to write it down, everything that he was going to say. But I put that away and I, I just listened. The reason why? Well, John had just a one word answer. He said, unity. John said, Pastor, if I could give any piece of encouragement, any piece of advice to this church as it heads into the future, I would say stay united, be like-minded. <laughs> what Christ like encouragement. <laughs> that was Christ's prayer. That was Christ's prayer before he left his disciples. That was Paul's prayer to the people to whom he was writing. That's our prayer here too. Our prayer is that you and I and and everyone in our faith family be like-minded, having the same love, be in one spirit, and be of one mind. How? How can this be done? Oh, my friends, listen. The Bible is alive. It speaks to us. It has feet. It runs to us. It has hands. It lays hold of us, and it tells us the answer. How is this done? It's done through humility. It's done through humility that looks not to ourselves, but to others. It's gospel humility, which unites us, like Christ. It's gospel humility that allows us to know his joy. And then we know Christ's mind. And then others will know his mind. They'll know him too, and they'll know his love for them. Amen.